he did not want to shoot. Versus if you went back and you looked at the games in the Bahamas when we are playing Baja Blast Tech, he's letting those things fly. <laughs> Cal was the coach of, our, of at least my childhood. Uh, I mean, I was always a tubby guy. Um, I was a tubby kid growing up. Just take um, Muhammad Ali at, then, uh, at center. Then you have actually to played for Kentucky, Kentucky University of players. Kentucky. Oh, daggone it, guys. I did not prepare for this. Because they're both going to be key contributors to a national championship team. No, do not tell me to relax, Zach, because I'm all in on this squad, and it's going to happen. What is up? Big Blue Nation, Matt Sack BBN here, joined by two-thirds of my Twitter best friends, Big Blue Bud, Wildcat's Tongue, no 270 Bradley Smith. Where the heck is Bradley, guys? Um, Having more fun than us. Probably. I, last I heard he was I don't know about that. A What's more fun than talking wave. about Kentucky basketball? I mean, if he was going on vacation during our little... uh early january spat then yeah i would i would be very jealous of him but hey here we are talking about kentucky basketball <laughs> securing the three seed in the sec tournament so we get but, to get back at bradley because he's not going to arkansas with us but we'll all be there <laughs> so yeah that's gonna be fun yeah are bradley... we gonna do like a uh, um like a live podcast with the three of us together and have bradley zoom in we should we absolutely should we have everybody that's with us on the trip chime in, say one thing. <laughs> they each get one comment. They get 20 seconds each. If, yeah. if y'all do not know, me, Buddy, WT, and three others are heading down to, is it Fayette, Fayetteville, Arkansas? Is that Fayetteville, correct? Fayetteville, Arkansas. Arkansas. Fayetteville, Although Arkansas, Aaron, next the Friday. The Airbnb canceling is going to put us potentially in Bentonville, Arkansas, 30 minutes up the road. <laughs> Is that the uh, home of Walmart headquarters? It is. Yes, I've actually been there. Believe it or not, I've been to Jane and Bentonville for a wedding at one point. And yes, they have like a Walmart amphitheater there. <laughs> it's a it's a weird place. Well, now we got to um, go sightseeing. I mean that that's a huge tourist destination. Oh yes, crazy. Right. <laughs> um, come derupt to no good for the Kentucky basketball analysis and stay for your Arkansas trivia. I had to go to Arkansas when I was uh, a D3 uh, student manager. Um, one of our conference uh, teams uh, played in Arkansas, and it was the worst road trip. There was two restaurants next to our hotel that we stayed at. Both of them were really bad. I, I have very strong, bad opinions about the state of Arkansas. I'm hoping to be uh, uh, pleasantly surprised about Fayetteville. If you want to, we can drive right over. We're really close to oklahoma mm. and really close to missouri and if if you really really wanted to we could go over and visit kansas it's only a couple hours those I went to kansas all sound so unappealing <laughs> nothing is there <laughs> you don't want to go to oklahoma mark a state off your list of states you've been to don't go to oklahoma i don't want to go to missouri either uh the two major cities in missouri are one Kansas City, it's named after another state they want to leave. And then St. Louis <laughs> is on the river, right? And half of St. Louis is on the other side of the river in a different state. So both major cities are trying as hard as they can to not be in Missouri anymore. Well, St. Louis <laughs> is awful. St. Louis is so bad, too. It's just not a good place to be. No yeah, offense. It's like baseball, too, from St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Cats last night picked up a very 
I want to say impressive because parts of it were extremely impressive and then some others were very very bad, um, very inconsistent. But you take a you take a quad one win in mid February, end of February, a road SEC win. You take those every time you get one. Uh Cats beat the somewhat rivaled Florida Gators, uh eighty two to seventy four on the road. Um, boys, so first of all, I had spike ball practice last night. It starts at 6.30, and it goes till around 8 um, Eastern time. And the game started at 7 Eastern time. So I uh, drove home right away. I got home around 8.15, took a quick shower, sat down around 8.20, 8.30 maybe. Um, and I put on the game. I had it on YouTube TV, so I skipped to the beginning of the game. I was able to fast-forward through all the commercials, all any like monitor reviews that there were. I don't know if there were any because I skipped through them. Um, but I watched the entire game in 45 to like 50 minutes. It was fantastic. <laughs> I could like, that was one of the more enjoyable college basketball watching experiences <laughs> in a while. There were no commercials. There were no timeouts. There's no staring at duck shows. It was, and like, it started off great too. I was like, wow, we're up like 20. We're killing it. And uh, then th- things got rough. So boys, what were your initial takeaways from the game? I will say of all of the games to not look at the video reviews, you picked the worst one because there was a that like this one of their talking points today. There was a video review. Did you see the fan that held Kaysen uh, on the sideline? I did not see it live. So I actually I actually tweeted about about the Arkansas trip and uh, TJ Walker like commented. He was like, hey, like while you're down at Arkansas, don't go choke holding any other players. And I was like, that's a weird comment. To make. <laughs> <laughs> no context. <laughs> But then I saw the video started circulating. I'm like, oh, that's where it came from. So I, I have since seen the replay, but I did not see it live at all. I skipped right over that. Yeah, the uh, the Conjures, Tom Hart was like beside himself. He immediately <laughs> said like, he was get that fan out of here. Like that fan should not be allowed back in this stadium. Like he was so mad. What is he it with furious. Florida fans and playing Kentucky and getting people in trouble? Like You start with Doug. <laughs> Our, our our best friend Doug Sachs, actual best friend now. Um, yeah. after you interviewed him, yeah. Uh shout out courtside connect. Um yes, but uh, Doug's like Doug gets kicked out because some Florida fans wanted to be really weird about it. And then some Florida fans get kicked out of their own arena because they can't keep their hands off of uh Case and Wallace. Yeah, I heard a bunch of people saying it was an accident, um, which I could no. kind of see because it, it from one angle, it looked like someone's arm was already like kind of going out and pointing. Then you see a different angle and you're like, that's not an accident at all. And also, I I think I retweeted it. I want to shout them out because they said they were at the game and that's always good when you go on the road. Oh, yes, I know, I know it, was, about. it was at UK underscore warrior. Uh, their handles UK Wildcat Warrior. They said, I was sitting near the incident with the Florida fan. I still haven't seen the TV replay yet, but I saw it live and it was intentional. It was five to six dudes in a group and they all high-fived and laughed. They were high-fived by the student section leader. So that sounds pretty intentional to me. So they (laughs) they wound up dead kicking them out or at least a few of them. Yes. Uh, If not intentional, they definitely didn't feel any remorse for it, which is kind of the whole point (laughs) of kicking them out. So... uh, yeah, so uh, Matt, as our resident like expert fan uh, of the people who go to the games, how would you describe the ideal 
maybe not just courtside, but the ideal fan attending a college basketball game and what traits are, what traits are you looking for that are good? What traits are you looking for that uh, may, uh, may not be great for those fans? Yeah. So for, for one, um, I, I think if you're going to a game, you should support your team. I like when you stand on your feet, you get out of your seat, you're not sitting and you cheer for your team, no matter what happens. And you try to just bring energy to your team. It means being loud on defense. It means shutting up on offense so your team could work and then cheering very loud. It usually doesn't involve, uh, touching other players or choking other players. You know, you could, call euros plavchic a stinky boy that's fine um i did that a few times i might have thrown a few adjectives to describe how specifically stinky he was but that's about it i've i've spotted sack many times and i've never seen him grab a fan over the or grab a player over the shoulder and and hold him back and if anyone could in rup arena it would be me because no one gets closer right there Yeah. yeah what would have happened Let's actually let's do this thought experiment. Which former UK player would have been the absolute worst for this fan to grab in that situation? Because like Kaysen's a pretty level-headed guy. He's not really going to fight back. He just gets back on defense. I I know, buddy, you put out that if (laughs) Demarcus Cousins gets grabbed, something's bad. It's going to happen. But who else do you all think would be? where, where we might see a uh, Malice at the Palace sort of situation. Yeah, I was about to say, I know you said former, but we might have Malice at the yeah, Palace yeah. 2.0 if that happens to DJ Wagner and those Camden boys. <laughs> like like oh, DJ geez. like DJ Lance and Aaron, the three Camden boys on next year's team, if anything happens, it, it could get serious. <laughs> I feel like, like DJ is going to start something, Lance is going to finish something, and Aaron's <laughs> just going to sit there and laugh the whole time. <laughs> like, I think Lance might, vibes I'm getting. Lance might just accidentally tear someone's arm off. Like he wouldn't have been slowed down like he just would have brought that arm with him and then put his hands up like this like i didn't do anything what happened (laughs) yeah see i feel like the person like that would snap though is it's usually who you least expect it's like you know the quiet kid that you like you kind of tease a little and then you push them (laughs) a little too far and they're like whoa i didn't know they would snap like that not that i did that i was never a bully but you know what i'm talking about um, so I'm trying to think who's like more quiet and reserved and like seemed super nice, but then would just be like, would Brennan Canada, like if you just pushed him a little too far, would he start throwing <laughs> haymakers at fans? I will say one, one guy would not get away of his grand Derbyshire. That dude is <laughs> ripped. <laughs> like, if you get him mad, he it, it's over for you. <laughs> uh, are you just talking about current players or former players too? So I'm trying to think like Dominique Hawkins was really nice. I I don't like he was kind of a quiet guy about. I don't think you could push him to that point. No, I feel but, like uh, you could like accidentally or accidentally like clothesline <laughs> Dominique Hawkins and he'd be like, "Oh, I, I apologize. I'm sorry." Sorry about that. Um, he was a super nice guy, but absolute dog on the court though. Yeah. So that he he was a very good blend of that. But uh Tyler Ewis would have body slammed him. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about Tyler a minute. Yeah, yeah. He would have killed him. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, the law, like the lesson, the moral of the story is if you are a fan at any game, home or away, leave the players alone. That that's kind of the golden rule of uh, college, college sports, really any sports. You might well, not get a case of Don't touch them. No. No. All right. So speaking of the uh, Florida game, let's actually talk about the game. What were your all's kind of takeaways from that performance? Oscar Shibwe has got to be number one. Um, I think he only had like four rebounds again, but we'll talk about two guys that picked up the slack in that regard. But 12 of 13 shooting, 
Um, WT, I think, I think I saw a stat that you had posted on Twitter, which is really hilarious. Um, I'm going to try to pull it up right now. Yeah. So Oscar Shibway's season averages against Florida, 14 and a half points <laughs> per game, nine and a half rebounds, 52% field goal percentage and three assists. So if you just like, look at that, it's like, okay, Oscar had, you know, 15 and 10, 50% shooting. Like that seems all pretty standard. But you, he had what, like four points the first game and 25 this one, shot 12 of 13 this game. It was like two of 14 the other game. So a complete flip. A big part of that had to be Castleton not being there. Obviously, he was the one that caused a lot of problems. Um, but I don't even know if Castleton would have been that big of a problem this time because it's not like Oscar was going in the post. He just hit a bunch of mid-rangers, except for that one like turnaround fadeaway that he tried that, that was – a little too much of a heat check for my liking, but he, he shot the ball very well. Um, Same thing with Jacob Toppin, uh, two of three from threes. He had a couple mid-rangers too, I believe. Um, if, if your forwards are shooting jump shots and making jump shots, that opens up things in the post for, let's say, Oscar to drop down. That opens up rebounding opportunities for Chris Livingston on the offensive class. That opens up drives for Kaysen. That opens up drives for Savir when he comes back. That makes you very hard to defend because I think the announcers were even saying like, these are like the shots that Florida wants you taking. They want Oscar to take mid rangers. They want Toppin to take jump shots. So when you're taking the shots that they want you to take and you're like, well, fine, let me take them. I'm going to make them anyways. That makes you impossible to defend. How about uh, Chris Livingston getting 15 rebounds and then Jacob Toppin with 15 rebounds. I'm starting to wonder, is Chris Livingston – over the past few games, a better rebounder than Oscar? Because he's the only guy I've ever seen wrist rip and a rebound out of Oscar's hands. Did you I see that say, games ago? And Oscar was just like frozen. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. I feel like Chris, I mean, if you think about it, Oscar does not necessarily have the body of a great rebounder. He gets the rebounds because he just wants it more. He knows how to position himself. Mm-hmm. He, does, he can't really jump that much. Obviously, he's a big body, so you can push some people around. But he just, he he knows how to get position. He really cares about rebounding. Chris, even though he's six foot six, he can jump out of the building. He's strong. He can uh, get to wherever he wants on the court. Um, so really, I mean, if Chris wants it as much as Oscar does, yeah, Chris can absolutely be a better rebounder than Oscar, as crazy as that sounds. And he has been for the last couple of games. He, I mean, yeah. it's a, it was an offensive rebound that ended up winning the game at the end. So uh, mm-hmm. all, all aboard the Chris Livingston train. It was. Yeah, we needed everyone to last of those 15 rebounds um because if he doesn't get that last rebound we are only up two and florida has at least one shot left to go and try to tie or win that game um and and i know they don't have castleton but like i think we're going to get into this we did not make one sub the second half our players were definitely more tired than theirs and i think that showed towards the end of the game so if we had to go to an overtime or a spot where we need to get a last second bucket. I don't love our chances, but Chris Livingston seals the game. I think a huge part of that is Oscar gets so much attention on the glass that sometimes he just can't and you need other people to step up. And Chris was one of the guys that really took advantage of that. I mean, again, he didn't have, I don't think a crazy game. Otherwise, I think he had a few wide open threes. I think he missed all three of them. He shot four of 11 Mm -hmm. from the field, only had 10 points. Um, good that he got the double digits we probably needed that with some of the other guys out but 15 freaking rebounds two assists zero turnovers a block great defense all night i mean 
he's becoming one of the fan favorites because of his hustle, because of his heart, because of his energy, and also his development. This is a guy that two, three weeks ago we're talking about, oh, he's not coming back to Kentucky. His camp is complaining. He doesn't know what position to play. Uh, he's not having a great time. He's not maybe as good as other five stars in this class. And now all of a sudden he's probably been our most valuable player over the past two to three games. He was the SEC freshman of the week last week. I mean, I can remember back to the blue-white game. I don't know if anyone remembers kind of the mm-hmm. hot take takeaway from that, but people are saying, hey, we need to play a Thiero over Chris Livingston at the three because they oh. were matched up in that, and Adu was abusing him. Adu went for like 25 points or something like that. It was crazy. Um, but Chris has gone from... I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of the Duke Thiero Club, so this is no offense to him, but he was getting abused by one of our bench players to now being one of the most important pieces on our lineup and playing 38 minutes a game. So um, I think it's it, it's insane development. It, it, it almost might end up being a curse for us if he keeps developing like this over the next three regular season games and whatever postseason. He might get some attention to some scouts that originally had him in the first round before he got to Kentucky. So uh, it's it's kind of pushed and shoved. We want him to keep developing, keep getting better, but the better he gets, the less of a chance that we see him next year. And I know we talk about sophomore Chris Livingston every single episode these days, but what do you all think about sophomore Chris Livingston? CWT, I was kind of on you because I, I remember a couple episodes ago I talked about Schrodinger's Cal, and this was before the Chris Livingston <laughs> breakout. But we we're talking about like if Chris Livingston doesn't play good, his camp's going to be like Kentucky's not good for you, and he's going to leave. If Chris Livingston plays good, he's going to want to go and leave so he can go and get drafted. Um, and I was kind of fearing that, but I had a conversation today um, last, I think last Thursday. I brought up Connor Caldwell from the Beers and Buckets podcast. This time I was talking to his co-host, Dowell. Um, Dowell was like, a lot of the things that he does specifically well is not things that necessarily NBA scouts are looking for. Like, what do we love about Chris Livingston? Well, he went and just went and got an offensive rebound. He dives on the floor. He plays good defense. It's high-intensity things. Like, not to, like, completely crap on modern NBA basketball, but... You know, when scouts are like, it's like, okay, can we find a 40% shooter who can hit step back threes and, you know, whatever? Or do you want like the hustle guy that's going to rebound and defend and might not be the best shooter? Um, I think another year from Chris Livingston go a long way, especially with this new NI deal that him with that he just got with, uh, was it Beats by Dre? Yeah, I don't think it, it seems kind of weird for a company to uh, sign an NIL deal like that this late in the season if he's only mm-hmm. going to be here for a for a couple weeks hmm. more. So How about that, I mean, obviously we don't know anything. We're we're not insiders, uh, but just I- interesting timing on that NIL deal right there, and with Jacob Toppin getting a deal with AT and T. I'm not saying that both guys are coming back. I'm not saying that either guy is coming back, but uh, um. Both have a year of eligibility left. You never know. <laughs> you never know. It, Matt called it really well when, back when we were doing spaces before Rep to No Good was even a thing um, and said, Chris Livingston is is the X factor. You know, we might only be as good as Chris Livingston can be. And the better that Chris Livingston's gotten, the better we've gotten all the way through. And I think Absolutely. you could say the same thing about Jacob Toppin as well, because Jacob Toppin, I don't have the stats up in front of me, but I feel like since that he was he missed the South Carolina game and I feel like that's kind of been our big turning point from the first half of the season not necessarily in mm-hmm. length but in 
uh, principle, the first half of the season and the second half of the season, Jacob Toppin has completely turned it around. Like I said, he's he's at, been in double figures, what, 12, 13 straight games. He's shooting over 50% from three in conference play after shooting like 17% to start the year. Now he's starting to shoot more. He took three last game. He was seven of 10 last game, two of three from three, three of four from the line, 11 rebounds, and 19 points. A double, like that. Toppin and Chris aren't doing what they're doing right now. Our team looks very similar to how it did in January, especially with all these injuries. But those guys doing what they're doing makes they're helping each other out because I think they complete each other at from like the three, four standpoint, you know, like Chris is kind of that guy that wants to be more physical or Jacob sometimes wants to use like more finesse and Chris mm -hmm. likes to get into the paint, but you can't do that when Toppin and Oscar are both sitting in the dunker spots. So now that Jacob starting threes, that's he's opening up driving lanes for Chris. It like yeah. all of, all of our teams coming to click right now, because I think those two guys are kind of like our glue guys our X factors. And when they're playing well, our whole team is going to by default, start playing better. You know, what's crazy is based on, on like kind of the traditional um, uh, labels of the positions right now, the way they're playing Jacob Toppin is our three mm -hmm. yep, and Chris Livingston is our four. Mm -hmm. Now I, Chris Livingston does not want to hear that. I hope he's not listening to this. Hey, Chris, you're a three, you're a three. You're actually a two uh, surprise, surprise. Anyway, um, the way they're playing, Chris is a physical guy who's posting up smaller, smaller guards, uh, getting to the rim uh, finishing above the rim at times and really attacking the glass. Jacob is playing more on the perimeter. He's pump faking. He's driving. He's shooting floaters. He's running the court. These guys are playing the three and the four uh, opposite of what you would kind of uh, expect them to do. And it's working. My big takeaway from this game is for the third straight game, we played a top 25 defense on Ken Palm. And for the third straight game, we scored more points than we had possessions, which which if you look at the analytics, that's kind of the benchmark of scoring at least one point of possession. So we are playing good defenses. Now, obviously, Florida was out was without their main rim protector, but we scored 82 points on only 70 possessions. That is really, really good efficiency, um, especially for Cal's archaic, not modern at all, awful offense. So it, it, it's, it's really coming together these last few games on scoring uh, against some really good teams. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people like are talking about next year. It's like, all right, so you want Dilly and DJ as your guards, and then you have like Justin at the three and Chris at the four, but Chris doesn't really want to be a four. I think if you keep Chris at the three and put Justin Edwards in what Jacob Toppin is doing right now, I think Justin Edwards would freaking thrive in that role because you look at what jacob toppin is doing right now i think that is about 80 90 percent of what justin edwards can be you think about it super versatile defender could probably guard two through five um not a not a guy i don't think edwards is a guy that you want to be your number one scoring option i feel like that's what tennessee pitched and i think that's why he came to kentucky because he'd rather be a 1b think about jacob toppin he's usually not our leading scorer but he usually has 12 to 13 he's been in double figures 12 straight games or whatever it's been um think about how many times that jacob toppin grabs a rebound and he just brings the ball up the court as a point forward i think justin edwards would be phenomenal in that think about how many wide open catch and shoot threes 
uh, Toppin has. Justin Edwards, I don't want him shooting step-back threes, but if he's getting wide-open catch-and-shoot threes, he's going to make them at a very high rate. Think about how many wide-open driving lanes that Jacob Toppin has. Justin Edwards would absolutely thrive in that because he's just a little quicker, a little more, I'd even say a little more athletic than Toppin, which is crazy. He's more skilled. He can shoot a little bit better. I mean, there's a reason he's a top three recruit in the country, top two, one, if you ask me. Um, I think if you keep Chris at that three and put Edwards at the four with like a DJ at point and then like a Dilly and or a Reeves as like your scoring guard, I don't even really care who you put at center. Um, that's a freaking <laughs> fantastic lineup next year. Well, I kind of do. I kind of do. I'd like to see hopefully one of Aaron, <laughs> Ugo, or Damian. Uh, really at get, that point. Hope we don't get too silly there, but that's a phenomenal lineup. <laughs> Really, at that point, you can go with the typical Cal and not worry about offense at that center position. Just put in your best defender. And at times, it's going to be Aaron. If he's going against an athletic center, he can go up and uh, kind of run with them. And if you're going against a bruiser, uh, I think Ugo, with with one more summer of development, can start to uh, get some physicality in his game. That's one thing he's struggling with now, but he has the Mm -hmm. frame for it, and he has the skill set for it. So I think that I think Cal can really go with the defensive mindset at the five, which he hasn't been able to do since, uh, I don't know, Nick Richards? Yeah. Um, I feel like, I mean, Ugo is 7'2". Like, he's taller than Nick. Is like he 7'2"? Yes. Yeah. What? I remember. Why have I not um, known this? I remember. Oh, so, kind of funny story. So, I. He's 6'11 on basketball reference. No, he's taller than that. So I, oh I was talking goodness. with my girlfriend, Christina, who's actually in our live audience right now. She has headphones in, so I don't know if she could hear me. But I saw her. <laughs> she's waving to me. Yay. Um, I saw her after <laughs> class one day. And um, so if if you remember, like, Adu and Ugo were, like, our most two recent additions, like, to the roster, the two latest. Mm-hmm. And she came up to me and was like, did Adu hit another growth spurt? And I was like, I don't like, I don't know. Like, he's like, what, six, 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 seven? He's like, no, he's like seven foot two. He's freaking huge. And I was like, no, he's, I'm like, oh, you saw, you saw Ugo, didn't you? You saw Ugo. <laughs> so I don't think she knew either of them by face yet. She just saw like someone that was clearly a basketball player and very, very tall. And I was like, out in the wild. I was like, a dude's not that tall. He's like two inches taller than me. Like, I'm six four. But she's like, no, this guy was seven two. Um, so I'm, yeah, Ugo, Ugo might be seven two if you ask my five foot three <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to showing up in August for um kind of the media days and Aduthiero being six foot nine, six foot ten, Ugo being seven feet tall, and just oh, I'm gonna be so excited. But this team is also very exciting. So um I want I, I want like if you had asked me a month ago, I'd be talking all day about next year's team, but right now. I got some excitement about this year's team. It's still of kind of hard not to branch into the next year's team. It's just always oh, I mean, a temptation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what if it, what I mean, if we what if we didn't even have a center? Just hold hold on. What if we had just like DJ at point, and then you have like six eight like a do at the two, and six eight Justin Edwards at the three, and then like six seven like Chris at the four, and then like six eight six nine jacob at the i mean you could switch one through five. Oh my gosh i'm gonna get it but yeah this team we beat florida we're really good we're rolling again Woo, good vibes like oh it's so hard not to get excited but i i really do like this team the the highs of this game were fantastic i think we were up what what were we up to start the game i was flipping through uh, it 15, so fast 30 to, it was we 30, 30 to 15, to 15. 
Yeah. And, and then it, it was 30 to 28, like two minutes later. <laughs> see, at the, so again, I was like rewatching the game or I was watching it a little bit in delay. I wanted to just like go and tweet out and be like, wow, our team looks good. But I'm like, if we like somehow blow this lead by halftime and I tweet this out, <laughs> people are going to be like, Zach, what are you watching? And then I'd have to explain it and all that. And I didn't want to do that. And sure enough, we were losing at halftime. So, <laughs> oh, Zach Curse never you. fails. Right. You saved so yourself. So do we, with, with Bradley not here, this is a decision we get to make. Do we get to acknowledge him as winner of our uh, prediction for the Florida game? Or can we claim it for one of ourselves? No, I we'll think unfortunately he nice. wins. Yeah. We have a pretty uh, graphic that proves it. Well, who is yeah. his MVP? Do you remember? Was it Chris again? Or was it Oscar? I'm trying to find it now. Uh, I don't think it was he, redacted this time. He picked Kaysen. Ooh. Okay, so he wasn't the MVP. Is, no one picked Chris, who I would put as my MVP. However, I did pick Oscar, who went for a clean 25 on 12 of 13 shooting. Uh, Sack, you picked Antonio. And Buddy, you picked Jacob. See, I feel like in most instances, I would just say there is no winner because you think that if four people had to pick who an MVP, like you would, we should like accumulatively be able to pick who the best player on the floor was. But I think Oscar Shibwe was a close one B where I'll allow you to take the MVP point. It was well, Chris, I appreciate that. Chris rebounded really well. Uh, Oscar scored most of the points. And then Toppin just kind of did a little bit of both. Really good rebounding and, re- and our second scoring option. Are you and... trying to put an argument together so that you get the best of both worlds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Toppin was best at everything, right? So I win something. Oh, there you go. Well, it's kind of yeah. crazy that we, there, there's only five players that like played any significant minutes. And we picked the four that should not have won the MVP. <laughs> we left the one out that <laughs> got the MVP. So we we really know ball. Look at us. And it, it's been like the hottest player on the team too. That's literally kept improving yeah. every single time we have seen him. Man. All right. Well, uh, yeah, Florida. How about that? Good old win. Yeah. Uh, have I'm... we? When's the last time we lost there? In any sport, I don't know. We we just own A the city of Gainesville. Ago. I love it. We do own them. You gotta feel bad for him. We out rebounded them forty to twenty one. <laughs> You're just now going to the box score. Yeah. I've been in oh, here yeah. and like I feel like I've just been reading. Like I saw the forty and I saw the twenty one, but I don't think I put together that they were the same stat. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, Chris Florida's had fifteen leading. rebounds and Florida had twenty one. Yeah, Florida, Florida. Um, their their leading rebounder. They had three tied with three rebounds. They had two uh, offensive rebounds the whole game. So we had thirteen. Oscar had four rebounds. He still, still more. led like he's he still did not get out rebounded by anyone on Florida's team. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Oh. I a love little stats. bit. They're so fun. A little bit on the negative side. Casey Wallace had a very rough game. At least the past few games, I'm like, oh, he gave us good defense. Um, he played really good defense on Ziegler and Viscovi for the most part against Tennessee. He had the 11 assists against Mississippi State, I believe. This game, he didn't shoot the ball well again, 2 of 8. He didn't make his free throws down the stretch, which is huge. He had to have six assists, but six turnovers, including a couple crucial ones down the stretch. Where I'm just like, Kaysen, what are we doing? And part of me is like, all right, Kaysen, I've been hyping you up all year. I've been saying you're him. This is your team now going into March. 
end of February, it is your team. Like this team goes as far as you can take them. You're the most talented player. You're going to be the only lottery pick. The ball is in your hands. It starts every possession in your hands. You need to be better. And I gave you the freshman excuses while you work them out. But now at the end of February, you need to be better. So that's half of me. And then the other half of me, it's like, we've asked you to play 39 minutes a game running the point guard and guarding the other team's best player for like five mm-hmm. or six straight games with no uh, CJ. So you have limited spacing to do it and no Wheeler. So you don't get to move off the ball or take breaks. It, it, it We're asking too much. It almost feels like what we were asking Kellen Grady to do last year when Wheeler and Ty Ty went out. Yeah, it's um, it is concerning the level of, uh, weight we're putting on these guards now i will say that doesn't mean it's impossible we won the 2012 national championship with a six-man rotation where we only had one guard uh as our backup and even he wasn't really a point guard so we kind of had to share those duties a little bit um so it is possible to win with this much of a workload it's not ideal um Sabir and cj should be back in the next week that's not really scoop that's just kind of like hearing what everyone else hears on twitter um i heard Sabir is too i heard cj could be back against auburn i heard Sabir could be back against vandy obviously that's not verified obviously that could that that may not be true but i'm gonna try to i'm gonna choose to listen to that because that's the most optimistic thing i've heard so uh, yeah, I hope that they're back soon because we're going to need them sooner than later, especially with the tournaments coming up. And I know this is because of the injuries, but it's still just wild to me that we've gone from making so many rapid, constant, like even bizarre lineup changes in the game so late into the year too, to like now we're only playing three different lineups the entire game and making no <laughs> substitutions in the second half. Like just night and day, this team and the approach, everything about this team is completely different than it was in December. Almost like Coach Calipari that knows how to coach and adjust on the fly. <laughs> no, that Hall famous. of Famer. That Hall of Famer. Something he know. is famous for not being able to do apparently. But no, who am I? Who am I to judge? Who am I to make that claim? You know what is kind of crazy about CJ? So we, we talked no. about we talked about the twenty potential 23-24 roster. We talked about Dilly and DJ. Uh, we talked about Reeves and Chris coming back. We talked about how good Justin is. Uh, we didn't even bring up Reed Shepard. I mean, what if he's on the level as those other freshmen? What if like what kind of a jump could a Duciero make? I just listed seven different perimeter players. CJ Frederick one month ago and probably still is he was part of one of the most efficient lineups of all time and according to and the now metrics, he might he was, be and now he might metrics, be our he was the most important yeah and he was the most important of that um one of the most efficient lineups of all time and now he might be the eighth most like our eighth best perimeter player next year i think <laughs> i feel like just using that as a bar that tells you how special next year could be, but it also could tell you like it, who all these guys might not come back for that reason. Like, doesn't it do come yeah. back to be the seventh? Does he just trust the process? Do you find a way to get Reed Shepard minutes? Like how good is he going to be as a freshman? Does Reeves come back? Does Chris come back? It's hard to tell. But I'm gonna, anyways, I'm going to blow this open and just just ask just because this question is a natural question and people think about this and talk about this all the time. It's not what we were going to talk about, but but next year, if we 
don't win a tournament game, how how out are you on on John Calipari? Or is it? Are you saying if we don't win, if you don't if we don't win one? We don't season, win a game in the tournament. Yeah, we'll make season. the tournament. No, 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 no. Next season with that team. Oh, did yeah, no, get rid of them. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> is that, not. Is that because there were a lot of people? <laughs> this is because I'm pro Cal on Twitter. There have been a lot of people who have like I thought that you said last year that you know this is the year, this is the makeup season, and you know blah 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 blah. And I don't, I don't think I said that, but uh, I may have, I may have said something to that tune. Like, don't worry, we'll be back. It would need to be like the perfect storm of all the bad luck Cal has had in the past three years. Like, Which we're gonna need, lot. we're gonna need like a global p- pandemic of like 2021. <laughs> we're gonna need like half of our team to be injured of 2022, and we're gonna need like our best freshman. Um, to just decide that he's never going to play here like we did in 2023. So I think if you combine like the perfect storm of all three, Cal would need that to for me to be able to excuse him and be like, okay, now I now I see this is why we didn't win. But okay, and it also depends if like if Chris and Reeves don't come back and the portal isn't that great and there's some holes, then I mean, we should still win a tournament game. But I don't think right. This is the first Cal. Bad. This is the first Cal team that will have more, three or more top 10 recruits on it since 2017, the Darren Fox team. So uh, since that Darren Fox team, he has not had three or more top 10 recruits on a squad at the same time. And we've kind of seen how things have gone. He's he's seen some success. I mean, he won the SEC in 2020. He won some uh, SEC tournament uh, championship games uh, there in 2018 and 2019. No, 2019 we lost. But anyway, um, We've seen some success in this little third uh, kind of act of the John Calipari era, mm-hmm. but um, we get a return to what he was best at, and that is uh, recruiting the best of the best and playing the best of the best as freshmen, um, which if if what I expect to happen, because I'm the ultimate optimist, is that it's a perfect storm, a John Calipari like perfectly made roster, and he's going to dominate with it. Um, if he does not dominate with it, if he, if uh, I'm not going to put a number to it because context is going to determine everything, but if he's unable to be successful with that roster, then I think that John Calipari needs to uh, move along. Yeah. And the curtains close on the, on the third act. Yes. Right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, the tournament this year, um, I, I think it kind of looks like we're working our way up the seed line. I think we get as high as a six kind of segueing into listeners questions hmm. um, at Corey HBBN. He said, since our regional finals won't be in Louisville now, is there a preferred destination for us not factoring in opponents? Well, I am going to factor in opponents. I'm going to completely ignore what you just said, but it <laughs> also has to do with location. So me personally, I, I found this bracket. I think it might've been CBS or something. Um, so first of all, my preferred location would be Columbus. Cause I think that's the next closest. It's about a three hour drive away from Lexington. So I feel like we get a lot of people down there, but I saw, so that's my answer to the question. Columbus, that'd be the next closest. I think we could have nice a city. very big BBN presence down there. Also decent nightlife, really good hotels. Um, not too expensive to get down there. Close drive. I think it would be great atmosphere. Um, that's in the East bracket, by the way. So I don't know where their final four is, but Columbus would get us to the Sweet 16 if we were able to win 
the first two games. And if we get to the Sweet 16, then I'm feeling pretty good about our tournament considering where we were. But anyways, in the specific CBS bracket, we were the nine seed. Iowa was the eight and Purdue was the one. So my stepbrother goes to Iowa and my sister goes to Purdue. So I feel like we would like need to send the whole family down for spring break. Like it would be in Columbus and like the first game would be against my stepbrother. And then the winner of us would play my sister's school, assuming Purdue could be the 16 school, a 16 seed. So, um, again, I feel like we get much higher than a nine, but like just off of what I saw, I feel like that'd be pretty cool. I also feel like if we were going to have to play a one seed, I kind of like our chances against Purdue right now. not going to lie. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is it about Purdue that you think uh, we match up well against? They've been on the struggle bus. Um, I feel like also uh, there's not many teams that I think like our guard play could be like significantly better than because I feel like that's kind of been one of the more inconsistent parts of our team, I guess, mm-hmm. over the past I guess throughout the season, like Kaysen's head is up and down. CJ's had a lot of up and down. So has Reeves. Um, but I just think, I mean, Purdue, they lost to, I'm trying to think who they just lost to. They lost to a, like a Northwestern team. Yeah. yeah they lost to, I'm blanking on it now. I just think, or they've been they like really close. They lost Indiana. They've been really close in a lot of their games too. Like they, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. I can finally get it. Yes, they lost Indiana. They lost to Maryland. They lost to Northwestern. Um, They very marginally beat another school I didn't think was that good. They very marginally beat Maryland at home. Um, Very marginally beat Mm -hmm. Michigan State. Very easily could have lost that one. So, and again, it's not that I think Purdue's an easy matchup, but it's like, I don't want to play, not to get into a different conversation. I don't want to play Alabama. Uh, They got some shooters over there. I will say uh, one interesting thing, speaking of Alabama, uh, most of the bracketology things that I've seen have not updated their bracketology since February 20th, which is the day before (laughs) this news came out. I don't think any of them, like I know Joel Lenardi has not even tweeted since like early February 21st. I don't think they want to like put something out, putting Alabama at a one or a two seed because they literally don't know what to do. They have no idea what to do in that situation. It's like, I'm looking at the CBS bracket right now. It was last updated on February 20th. Uh, Joe Lenardi, uh, he hasn't, like, he hasn't put out a bracket since the 20th. Um, Kind of an insane, obviously, obviously that's not the main focus of the situation. Like, there's a woman whose life was lost in that uh, unfortunate Mm -hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. circumstance but if we're just talking sports which is what we know we don't know any of the other stuff um puts kind of the whole college basketball world in a very interesting situation leading up into march did you see that brandon miller had 41 last night and the like athletics like page and the uk basketball or not uk the alabama basketball <laughs> page didn't make one single highlight or post about brandon miller the guy who put up 41 and hit a game winner so i mean this wow. is just a- crazy and it's like if you can't stand behind your player and say, "All right, he did nothing wrong," like we were able to post him on our Twitter, why is he playing? I mean, he, it, he didn't even win in the locker room. He didn't even win their own little player of the game thing. Like they gave out a hard <gasps> to the player serious? of the game, and they gave it to a some a guy with like nine points and ten rebounds, not the <laughs> guy with forty one points. <laughs> I did not know that. 
Oh. Yeah, there's a video going around of uh, Nate Oates handing out hit the little trophy that they give to the best player of the game, or at least the the hard hat player of the game. Oh my God. Um, and uh, it was not Brandon Miller. The controversy yeah. surrounding this kid, I feel so bad for the kids on the team that didn't do anything. I mean, just like I did after yeah. after um, Miles, that that kid had first, like it first happened, right? I felt terrible for right. the, the whole team. Like, man, that's got to be hard. You know, that guy's your basically your brother, your friend all season. And and now he's gone and, you know, his life is basically destroyed. And now, you know, <laughs> you're having to deal with all that. And now it's just getting worse, more controversy and more. I don't know, man. I, do you guys think they should be playing him now that we're talking about this? I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't I want to make, I don't want to make any accusations because one, I don't want to have a defamation case come to the Rub to No Good podcast. And I just don't <laughs> know enough about the situation. So I don't, innocent until proven guilty i just i just hope that that family gets justice in whatever is the right thing ultimately does get done which is not guaranteed with the ncaa or our country as a whole so oh, no. it just no. gotta just gotta hope i would say the biggest thing is like and again i don't I, this is not getting into any of the legal stuff at all but i, I heard one guy say on uh, on tv like if doing whatever Brandon Miller did, what whatever it, whether it's what he claims or what um was what what he claims or what the other people claim, it's got to be against like some sort of team rules. Like whether it gets, whether it's against the law, <laughs> yeah. like that's one thing. Like that's something that we can't really comment on because we're not experts. We'll have to get a, a Chin Coleman on here or him <laughs> Coleman uh, to comment on that. But uh, um, as far as like team rules and like Nate Oates's program. There's got to be some team rules about that, but uh, obviously, I, I I don't know enough about the situation. I can't about really... driving a murder weapon to a murder. I don't yeah. know if there's any rules, but I don't I think don't they cover know. that in like the the handbook or whatever. <laughs> I, they don't get that specific. SCC, SCC. It just means more. It just means more. Oh, it means way too much now. Oh my gosh. Oh. All right, buddy. Do you want to take us to a next? Oh, question. Yeah, sure. If you have them up. I, I don't. So if somebody else wants to jump in while I get them up. Well, the listener question I have, I think is going to lead to a broader discussion. So, Oh, great. Mine did. <laughs> that is true. Um, I, I'll go ahead and go. Uh, I was asked about program. a regional. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of the program, Corey Cod BBN asks, very simple question. Is Duke a rival? What would you all say? Uh, yes. I'll, I'll give my take after you all give your uh, takes. Yes, they are the other standard of college basketball. I think everyone gets happy when Duke loses, including Kentucky fans. Um, so I guess you could say anyone is Duke's rival, but I think we're one of the better programs where Duke actually gives a crap back about us and like what we think, because again, we are that standard. We go after the same recruits. We play each other at least once every three years. Um, we have the same expectations. We're both blue bloods. Um, we currently have a pretty significant win in all time, like championships and like all time wins. Like Kansas is a little closer in that regard in North Carolina with championships. But yeah, I still consider Duke a rival. I I feel like if Duke was on the schedule, that'd probably be the game I would be most excited about for a given year. We, I, I mean, I think of course they're a rival. We owned them for 
for a long time, but they have won nine of the last 11 games. I'm pretty sure, unfortunately, and it, it hurts to say it. And it, <laughs> I know it hurts to hear it, but they have owned us for a while. They they've been kicking our tails for, for maybe decades. <laughs> but let me see. I, I would have to go look and see, but I know they've won nine of the last 11 and you know, they gave Calipari the worst loss of his career. Um, you know, I mean, just they've, they've stuck it to us. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're a rival. Of course they're a rival. We hate them enough as, to be a rival. We just haven't played them recently enough for everyone to be all mad again since the beginning also, of the WT, <laughs> WT, before you give your take, I just want to say there is a difference between like a program rival and like just a single sport rival. Mm. Um, because like, I don't like Duke football. I don't give a crap but like right if we right. like were to play louisville and like women's field hockey and like we beat them like i wouldn't shut up about it on twitter for like the next <laughs> week you know so there's there's levels to it but in terms of basketball strictly basketball speaking yes they're yes. a rival and i don't think that's too debatable yes I, in, in my opinion and uh, i would say sure we are a rival but in terms of like all of our basketball rivals they are very low on the totem pole uh, and here's why I say that rivals kind of have to be two-sided uh, for it to be a good rivalry. Um, we think of Duke the same way Kansas thinks of us. Now, like, we don't like Kansas. Kansas, but we don't really think about them. Kansas fans cannot stand Kentucky. They hate Kentucky. That is, like, their thing. They really don't like us. And we, we, we I mean, we just dislike them, but, but we ha- don't have a ton of strong feelings about it. Now, we hate duke with all of our hearts we really don't like him i don't like him but duke right. fans from from what i know like they don't like us but they're they wouldn't call us like they wouldn't put us at the top of any hatred list they might put john calipari there but they wouldn't put the kentucky basketball program they should i would say they beat the tar out of us if you would have asked them in like the 70s <laughs> right. when we won 10 of the first 12 <laughs> games that we played and then it was different but now they've won nine of the last 11 so we only right. had so, one up on them in the all time. I would say, like as as it stands right now, it's kind of a one way rivalry. We hate them; they just kind of dislike us. Um, I do think it is a rivalry. To answer Corey's question, I think they are a rival, but they're like I would put Louisville, Tennessee, um, North Carolina, even uh, above them before, or Florida. I would put. I would. I would say our fans there's more of an equal rivalry between us and Florida than there is between us and Duke, even though Duke is obviously much better. I think everyone in the conversation for like greatest of all time sort of should be a right. You know, the blue bloods in general right. should just, mm-hmm. everyone's kind of a rival up there. I think so, uh, with, with Saturday coming up, we're playing Auburn to kind of transition. Uh, I'm sorry for stealing what you were going to say. Sack. I think we should kind of get, get a little bit of a roll call in here. Uh, of who would we consider blue bloods and kind of how would you tier those um blue bloods uh gentlemen i would say um i and again i think we have bias and i think we've also kind of talked about this before but i think kentucky has the perfect blend of still relevant right now but have consistently been good in history different coaches duke very good five championships only under one coach um ucla yes probably better overall history than us, but very, very, very backloaded. Uh, North Carolina, nowhere near as many wins. Kansas, I think only three championships. Did they just get their fourth? So nowhere near our eight. 
Um, it so depends I think on Kentucky, if you count those Helms championships in the twenties. <laughs> no. So, anyways, I think <laughs> if you consider, I think if you consider all things, I think Kentucky, I would put them above. But I don't really rank the blue bloods. I think it's just kind of who's having a better year at this point. I think they're all in the same tier, and that is blue blood. And I have Kentucky, UCLA, Kansas, North Carolina, um, and Duke, of course. Of the same ones, I'll rank them because I have opinions. And also, oh. you said North Carolina. <laughs> you said North Carolina doesn't have – not even close in the all-time wins. They're definitely close. They've had some bad years. I, oh, yeah. Third? I mean, they were within 20 of us at one point. Oh, in fact, mind. I'm pretty sure Kansas and North Carolina like were like neck and neck at one point, like extremely close. And then Kansas just kind of stayed consistent. North Carolina had bad years when we had bad seasons um, in you know, the 20 – 20 and 2021 year um, and a couple mm-hmm. other that they've just kind of fallen behind, but yeah, they're third. So they're definitely like right up there. And so for me, it's just as far as best in history, consistently Kentucky at number one, North Carolina's next and it's close. Uh, then I've then Kansas. And then we've got Duke and, and then UCLA cause it's just too front loaded or you said back loaded, whichever way it is for, for UCLA championships <laughs> at the very start of time. And then never again, I feel if I had to order them, I would agree with you. Nice. Yeah, I would say, I think that's the order I would also go with. I do think that there is an argument for more of a third-party fan for UNC over Kentucky. Um, it just really depends on what you value whenever you're calling these blue bloods. Obviously, we have more championships. They have more legendary players in their program. They, I mean, obviously, MJ, um, I'm Vince blanking Carter. on every single Vince Carter Um I mean, they've had so many legendary players. Kentucky's had a few, but none that like jump out as, as a part of like basketball history as a mm-hmm. whole. Um, but I think the thing that sets, I mean, obviously with some bias that Kentucky ahead of UNC is the consistency. We have won in every single era under five different coaches in five different decades or six different decades, maybe. Um, we have won uh, regardless of who's here. Uh, UNC uh, has been reliant on mostly just two coaches to get the majority of their uh, championships, um, or, they, or maybe all of their championships. So yeah. um, that's why I think as a program, Kentucky's more of a blue blood because it doesn't matter who's here for the most part. We're going to see some success. Um, and we're seeing that with Hubert Davis. He's not really doing too well, even though he's kind of the most UNC guy uh, of the ball who played there. And uh, Well, can I say – you said we have more championships, and that is true. We have more championships. We have, I think, after they made it to the Final Four, equally as many Final Fours, but we have more wins. We have more Elite Eight true. appearances. We have more Sweet 16 appearances. We've been to the round of 32. We have more tournament appearances overall. We were the first team to 1,000 wins, first team to 2,000 wins, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They are up in the all-time record, but I think that being us is uh, is better than being them, but I guess third party buddy, fan there is an argument. <laughs> so I do a, I do want to ask is all this. if all three of us agree. You know, I'm trying to add a little <laughs> bit of okay. Here. You're trying to mix it up a little. <laughs> That's fair honest, enough. I think Kentucky's better, but you know, here we are. Um, I do. What do you all think? Do you I do want to ask Robert you all this. Falls on this. Very far off of it. Okay, Not even close. <laughs> Not. Even, I won't even no consider them a new blood. I won't even consider them a new blood. Uh, Auburn, where would you put them on the Blue Bloods list? Would you put them like <laughs> at second or like third? Uh, we're insulting like all of the like 
maybes like Villanova and like Indiana at one <laughs> point actually, in time. Poor, that actually takes Auburn. us to our that actually takes us to our next segment. We're gonna now list all of the Auburn Final Four wins in their history. And that ends our segment uh, on Auburn <laughs> Final Four wins in their history. Matt, what were you gonna say? Oh my gosh. I okay. So on the blue blood topic, we're talking about who's more of like a rival to us because I feel like as a blue blood, we need to at least have one hated blue blood rival. And this is for me why it's due because we had a perfect demonstration oh, of this yeah. last year. There was a point on, I think it was April 2nd, it was a Saturday that Villanova had just got beaten by Kansas. And the three remaining teams in the tournament were North Carolina, Duke, and Kansas. And I was like, well, which one do I most want to win? Which one do I least want to win? I actually wanted North Carolina to most win and Kansas in the middle and Duke to least amount of wins. So by that standard, by that demonstration, that one specific example, Duke is my most hated blue blood rival, which does make them a rival. So who did y'all want to win last year? If you had to pick one at that moment in time, can't pick Villanova. When you put it that way, then yeah, <laughs> I really did not want Duke to win. But I think a lot of that was because I really did not want Coach K to go out on top. That would have yeah. really hurt. <laughs> oh, but it was so beautiful, guys. North Carolina so beating his beating him in his last game at Cameron. North Carolina be- beating him <laughs> in his last game ever. <laughs> to make and then he had better, like a two-hour. Oh my gosh! Their first to make things even better. North board. Carolina did not reap the rewards rewards of that. They blew a fifteen point lead in the championship, and now they suck. So, like, uh, we even got we even got that part. We got North Carolina to destroy Coach K at the end, and they're also still bad. So, we're uh, really the best of both worlds for Kentucky fans, except for the fact that we weren't part of that uh, final four. The blue blood party, yeah, yeah. Oh well. Um, uh, so I think, but uh, buddy, you have one more uh, uh, listener question for us before we get into uh, predictions for Auburn. That's right. Right. Yeah. About that. Hold on. Let me just pick a random one. Uh, <laughs> Scott Keetle asked, uh, or at BS Keetle asked, what teams would you like to see UK match up against in the SEC and NCAA tournaments? I'm not going to opine on the NCAA tournament yet because I don't know what our bracket's going to look like. But, I mean, if Purdue was our one seed, I'd be happy with that. But I think this is, um, you know, this might be an unpopular take in BBN. I would love to encounter Tennessee one more time in the SEC tournament and just (laughs) (laughs) – I want to beat them. If we beat them, then uh, Calipari's record against Rick Barnes is tied, I believe. Not just record at Kentucky, but, but tied. And I think his record at Kentucky might go over one. I can't remember if it's. No, I think I think we're one one game below five hundred. We're down one. Oh, yes. oh that's what it was at the beginning of the season. Is like they were Tennessee fans were saying like, yeah, um, Barnes owns Cal, and I'm like, he could literally tie the record this season. Like, how is that owning? <laughs> if you could tie the record, and we might, and we have a really good shot at it. So, oh, I would love to play them. They've not shown any sign that they can beat us. They, I don't know. Yeah, so. That would be that would be fantastic. It would make up for that. They hurt me, man. That that year, and I won't tell. I actually, I won't talk about it. I don't want to give them the pleasure. But uh, that Malik Monk <laughs> year, didn't they beat the tar out of us? Yeah, I was, was to watch. But um, but yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to bring it back to them. It's the perfect win-win. Where like, even if they beat us, it's like, all right, you have the series like 
W still on the season. You win 2-1. They really can't talk too much. You beat them in their own place. But if you beat mm-hmm. them a third time, like on the <laughs> other side of that, Whoa. like you freaking own them. And considering it's a down year for us and they've been top 10 most of the year. That it's is, like their that second is... best team ever. What would you give? <laughs> yeah. What would you give to um, to beat them in the SEC tournament? And then beat them in the Elite Eight. Oh my! <laughs> they won't gosh. make it that far. Prevent but... them from their. From well, that would require Rick point. Barnes make. It would require Rick Barnes making. The I know, eight, which is impossible. Which, but yeah, but so. I'm just saying. What if you know? Would <laughs> Would you be okay with them making it to the Elite Eight if we no. got the, if you knew that we would beat them there? Fine. Oh, it would. It would be so good. <laughs> oh. Uh, that, oh man! Sorry, oh, I just giving that's... you something to think about. Thank you so much for that smile little... on your face. Mind fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of oh, rivals. Yeah. But um, we do play Auburn this weekend. That's the next step into getting to the Elite Eight. Um, I think it's going to be a really good atmosphere. Again, the Cats have gotten off a few in a row. We're bringing it home for a team that I wouldn't call them a rival, but it's a team that we don't like and we know they don't like us. And we've been fairly even over the past four or five years or so. Um, how how are y'all boys feeling? Oh, we have to read off Bradley's first. Does anyone have it pulled up? I can get it. Um, yeah, Bradley. I can get it too. So Bradley, he he texted into the show with his prediction. Um, he actually did it in the morning because he wasn't supposed to make it, but then he wound up being back here. Uh, he said he is going to make it, and then he surprised us, and he won't make it. So I have to go. Okay, here it is. <laughs> This is this is what he said. First of all, he says, um, uh, first of all, he told us to suck it because he got the last score closest. But then he says, uh, by the way, my score prediction is UK 91, Auburn 63. Of course, the MVP is Antonio Threves as he set the UK record for threes made in the game. <laughs> and Katie Johnson uh, sets the world record for missed field goals. <laughs> I can see it happening. I, I can see the Katie Johnson one more than the Antonio Reeves one, but uh, I love his prediction so much. I think Katie will set the record for most ball screams. Not screams, just screams in the in that game. Screaming at screams. ball screams. He might. I think he already has the record. He's going to beat his own. Mm-hmm. Oh, WT, you got the MVP rights. So you could go up next. I appreciate you. Um, I'm going to go UK uh, 74, Auburn 61. I think we slow the game down as much as possible. Auburn's a good defensive team. Um, we are deliberate on offense and we prevent them from kind of getting out in transition. So 74, 61, um, and MVP, I'm going to take Chris Livingston. He's on a hot streak. Uh, I'm going to, uh, kind of ride the Chris Livingston wave a little bit. What do you Maybe. got, buddy? Okay. <clears throat> so, um, Auburn's weird. Auburn's a weird ass team because they were real bad. And then suddenly they've been like winning, like they beat Missouri, like they blew Missouri out. So they're weird. But I'm gonna take the cats. Um 74 to 67. That sounds really similar to a score, I guess, before, but I'll take that. And my MVP is the guy who has been saying that he is excited to play Auburn again ever since he played him very last year. He The very first possession against Auburn last season, he opened it up with a good, strong dunk, 
And after the game, they beat us after the game. He said, I can't wait. I hope we see them in the SEC tournament. He's He's been ready to play him for a long time. That's Oscar Sheboy. I know their guards like suck, or I'm pretty sure their guards suck. I haven't really watched Auburn much this, this season, um, but I've still got to go with Oscar. I've got to believe that he's bringing something with him. So now I, I do like that belief. My only concern with that is Auburn's best player this year is Joni Broom. Broom um, yeah. He's about 6'10", and he's averaging, I think, two and a half blocks a game. Does that concern you? That sounds like Doesn't concern a prototypical me. defensive guy that's been locking down Oscar this year. I know I know that the, the pick is not you know sensible looking at the roster. It's just looking at uh, how bad Oscar wanted to get revenge is is why I've made this decision. And so I'm sticking with it. Yeah. Um I'm battling back and forth between two guys. Part of me wants to go Kaysen for the redemption. Part of me wants to go with Jacob Toppin, who broke out the 360 dunk last game. Um I am going to go. The Cats are going to win 77 to 73. And you know what? I'll have some faith in Case, and I think he bounces back in a big way. I think Wendell Green is not going to be able to guard him. I think that's a very bad matchup for uh, mm-hmm. Auburn. So I say Case bounces back at home, and the Cats win, what I say, 77 73. We'll go with that. That's it. Well, Beautiful. thank you everyone for joining. Thank you for all the listeners questions. Thank you for listening. We will talk to y'all next week after another pair of Kentucky W's go cats. Have a nice night. Big blue nation. Nighty night. Go cats.